Hey, welcome to Home Church Podcast. It is a good day to have a good day. I'm Pastor Jerry Kuhn, and I want to say thank you so much for joining us today. My hope is that you will respond to the Holy Spirit as he speaks to you in and through this message today. And I believe that he will draw you into a closer relationship with Jesus Christ, where you are passionate about loving God, doing good, and being a friend. I hope that you enjoy the message today. You don't think about retirement. You think about doing what God has called you to do. And I remember Pastor Owens, and we had this conversation, and I was like, what does that look like? I mean, and he was getting to the age where retirement could be in any time. And I remember him telling me, he he said, Jerry, here's the difference between ministers and anybody that works a regular job. He said, the post guy, the guy that gives your mail, when he retires, guess what? He never goes back to the post office. He doesn't. For those who perhaps have um, worked at a at Tinker or anywhere else, if you retired, you're probably not going to go back to Tinker and go, hey, I just thought I'd show up and work a little few hours just for free. <laughs> None of us are going to do that. He said, but when you retire as a pastor, you go back to church. You go back. You're supposed to go back. And I am so thankful today. In this room, we have two retired ministers, um, Leroy, Terry, and Brenda, who has pastored for many years, who sit underneath my ministry. And what an honor it is, Pastor Terry. I want you to know that. We love you guys. And um, will you give them a hand today, will you please? And it is, I've shared with you uh, multiple times that there was a man, a pastor in our community who prays for me um, every week. Um, and um, he's here today. And um, I'm very, very thankful. When I was a kid, I, um, I attended a church called Countryside out there on 102. And, and um, I never attended the First Baptist Church where he was the student pastor. Um, but he was so involved in the school and our community that, that he was really what I would consider the community pastor. He wasn't just the First Baptist youth pastor. He was the community pastor. It didn't matter who you were. He was going to connect to you, and you were going to like it or not because he just that's just his personality. And I remember thinking as a young man, because I knew I was going to be a pastor, I thought, man, if I could just be like him, if I could just set my goals to be like Pastor Tony Peak and be the community pastor, that would, that would be pretty cool. And so I, I set my eyes to be the community youth pastor. And, and so I remember years, years later, uh, Pastor Tony comes back to, to comes to be the pastor of the First Baptist Church. And I was the minister of the, of the president's, uh, of the minister alliance. I was the president of the minister alliance. And I had the opportunity uh, to greet him at his church. And I went and sat in his office. And I mean, right before I walked through the door, he looked at me and he said, coon dog. And I'm like, well, <laughs> first of all, we retired that name long time ago. <laughs> and he said, Jerry Kuhn, right? And I said, yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm puzzled because I wasn't his youth. I never attended his youth group, but he knew my name. He said, you was a quarterback, correct? I was like, yeah, yeah. I was a good one too. No, I'm joking. He's like, yeah, yeah. And we started talking and... Um, I was like, my goodness, how does this, this man who never, I never visited his youth group, but he knew me, and he was praying for me even at a young age. And so I am honored that he is here today. He is retired, um, and uh, God is going to do great things in this new journey for him. And will you please give Pastor Tony and Alicia Peake a hand today? We honor you guys. Thank you so much for being with us today. And uh, um, 
I hope that since I set my goals out to be like you, I'll, I'll make you proud today, all right? So <laughs> return your Bibles with me uh, today, if you don't mind. We're going to go to an Old Testament Bible uh, book, and we're going to go uh, to uh, 2 Samuel, and, and we're going to hang out there for quite some time when we get there, all right? So when we get there, and you guys, like last week, we didn't, it took 40 minutes to get there. We're going to get there. 2 Samuel chapter 11, and uh, before we get there, we're going to talk about this. This is the title this evening, uh, this morning, and his lying in the bed that you made. My dad would say this to me at times when, when I would make decisions that perhaps the consequences was not what I was expecting, or perhaps the consequences was just a little bit more harsh. Dad would say, you made the bed, now you must lie in it. You're exactly right. Dad would tell me that. He said, listen, I'm sorry, but you made your bed, son. Now you must lie in it. What he was saying to me, and I didn't realize until I got older, that I was going to have to pay for the consequences of the decisions that I had made. And so that was the whole idea of you've made your bed, now you have to lie in it. So I'm going to ask you just a few questions today. I'm going to ask you this. I want you to think about it as we go through this message is that what bed have you made that you sure didn't like lying in? <laughs> I mean, the decisions. You're like, I don't even make my bed. <laughs> That's the reason why. I love just making a messy bed and just going back into it. But what bed have you made? Just think about over your life, over all the, your life's decisions. What are some of the decisions that you wish, man, if I could just go back and visit, I'd do that again. I, I would change the way I made that decision. I wouldn't make it exactly the same. But man, I would change that decision. And so I want you to think about that as we go. Because life is filled with decisions. Every day, you and I are making choices. We're making a decision based upon our life. We're, you woke up this morning, and some of your decision was like, what am I going to wear? Some of you ladies, you like, you opened up your closet, and you're like, oh, I like this. And you put it on, like, oh, I don't like it. And you put it back up, and you made another decision of what you were wearing today. We make, <laughs> some of the guys are smiling, like, that's happened this morning, exactly like you said. Um, my wife changed four times before we ever got out the door. But we make decisions. We make decisions today. Some of you are already making decisions what you're going to eat after this guy shuts up. You're like, I can't wait to go there if he will just hurry, hurry up with his message. And you're making decisions. And all of us can think about the decisions that we make on a daily basis and, and big ones. And some of you are married today and you made a big decision in marrying the spouse that you married. And some of us, you may have other options. Some of you may not ever have any other options. But you made decisions throughout your, your life. Proverbs chapter 3 Verses 5 through 6 is something that I've always have taught to myself and, and, and hung on to, but also to students is this. It says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into your own understanding. Listen to what King Solomon is trying to tell his son. He's having this father conversation with his boy. And I can I see how this is going. Kind of like my dad. You made your decision. Now you're going to have to let You made your bed. Now you're going to have to lie in it. Solomon is just having this conversation with his son, and he said, listen, I need you to know this, son. I want you to trust in the Lord with all of thine heart and lean not onto your own understanding because you have an understanding of how it should go and what decisions you should make, but don't lean onto your own understanding. In all thy ways, I want you to acknowledge him, and he, who, God, shall direct your paths. And I, I love this father conversation because I've had some father and son conversations, and perhaps so have you with your children. You sat down, and you tried to end just to, uh, and uh, um, plant into their lives some wisdom. And that's what King Solomon is trying to do is plant some wisdom into them. And he says three things. He says, there are three things that King Solomon is instructing his son to do to be successful. He says, if you'll do these things, you'll be successful. You'll be fruitful. You'll actually enjoy life. You'll be able to live life a little less stressful. And you will make good decisions if you do these three things. Here's three things. You ready for this? Just really quickly. One, just trust. 
You're like, that's not as easy as you think it is, Pastor. You see, King Solomon is telling his son, if you could just trust in the Lord with all your heart, you trust. You have to believe that God is going to work all things out together for the good. You have to believe that God has your best interest at heart. And he says, man, if you could just trust in the Lord and his character and who he is. And then he says this, you must lean. You must lean not onto your understanding, but onto his and some of us today who are control freaks, and I'm pointing the fingers back at me because I am absolutely a control freak, it is sometimes hard to lean onto somebody else. It's hard to lean onto my wife at times. It's hard to lean onto their understanding because sometimes we just think that we know best. We have it all figured out. And in this relationship with God and in the world that you live in today where you don't know what's behind door number one, and you don't know what's behind door number two, and you don't have all the what-ifs figured out today, Man, who else is it to better to lean on upon in, 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 in other than God? You lean. And the third thing that he talks about was this. He said, acknowledge. He said, I want you to trust him. I want you to lean upon him. And he said, then I want you to acknowledge him in all your ways. In everything that you do, I want you to give God glory. I want you to acknowledge him. Acknowledge that he's there. Acknowledge that he's the one that is doing this for you. You're making decisions. All of us in this room are making decisions. And I got a question. As we trust him, as we lean on him, and as we acknowledge him, here's what I got to ask you today. Here's four things. Have you ever thought about involving the Holy Spirit in your decision-making process? When we make decisions, because we're talking about lying in the bed that you made, it's decisions, dealing and living with decisions that you have made, good or bad. Have you ever thought about slowing your life down and say, you know what, Holy Spirit, you know the future um, and what entails my, my future entails. So how about me just sitting down and having a conversation with the Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit, what is it? I, what am I supposed to do? You're my guide. You're my director. You're my teacher. You, you're to instruct me in all the things of God. And so have a conversation. When you're about to, ready to make a big decision or any decisions in your life, how about involving the Holy Spirit within your decision-making process? Uh, how about involving others? Now, I will tell you that you have to be very careful, but there are good godly men and women who can give you some good counsel, who can guide you and direct you and perhaps make you think of some things that you didn't already think of. I think that's what's been really good for me is I have some really good friends that I have always bounced some things off of. I remember when I knew, I knew that I was supposed to come home. And I knew that I was supposed to start a church. And I knew all these things were working out. And I remember talking to my pastoral friends and saying, hey, listen, this is what I'm going to do. And I remember Gary Jones, who I talk about a lot, but Gary's like, do it, man. Just do it. Do it. Just step out and do it. And then the next day he calls me and he says, hey, I got to talk to you. And I was like, what's wrong? He said, Nitzan, you're going to have to meet me tonight. It was a Sunday night. He said, you're going to have to meet me. We have to have dinner. I need to talk to you. And so as we're sitting over the table, this is what Gary says to me. He says, I need to know, did God tell you to do that? He said, I was so quick to tell you, go do it, go do it, go pursue your dreams. He said, but I need to ask you a question. And tears are rolling down Gary's face. And he says, did God tell you to do it? Is this what the Holy Spirit is leading you to do? He said, have you involved him into your decision-making process? And I had the opportunity to share with him, yes, I have. Yes, I have inquired of the Holy Spirit in my life, and hey, is this what, you, is what God wants for me to do? And then, so involving others is a great thing when you're making decisions, because remember, you're going to lie in the bed that you made. It is nice to have some godly counsel as well. But here's the other thing I realized in making decisions, and some is this, is this, do not allow fear to paralyze you. 
Um, how many of you guys, you could talk yourself into doing something and you could talk yourself out of doing something? Everyone that's in this room, when we are faced with a decision and we're thinking about it, we can either talk ourselves into it or we can talk ourselves out of it. And sometimes fear will paralyze you and I from making the decision that we are to make. That's where God is leading us. That's what the Holy Spirit is telling you. And you're like, oh, but the fear has caused me to talk myself out of it. And everyone in this room have had a conversation with yourself. And it kind of goes like this. I don't know if I could do it. I mean, I know what the Holy Spirit is telling me, but I just don't know. I just don't think it's the right decision. But then when you look back, you're like, the Holy Spirit has told me it's the right decision. I know the Bible, it lines up. It doesn't go against God's word. I know it's, it's going to be all right. But we've talked ourselves out of it. And if we're not careful, we could talk ourselves into it. And, and both of them has the, the positive and negative, right? We could talk ourselves into something, and it could be a bad decision. <laughs> and we could talk ourselves out of it, and that could be a bad decision um, as well. Here's the fourth thing. Sometimes when we make decisions, you just got to jump. How many times I, I could tell you, and, and Lance and I have had conversations over the last, I don't know, four years, maybe five years, maybe even longer than that, that he has asked me, when are you going to come back? I've had many other people um, in our community that would ask me, when are you going to come home? And it's a decision that we had, I had been thinking and praying about and talking to God about and, and waiting, to, uh, waiting for a promise that I had made to, uh, to be done. And, and I, I know that there are times in our life you just got to jump. Not, it's not always going to line up perfect. It's like a message that I preached to you uh, months ago when we were getting ready to go to the American Legion. Ready or not, here we come. And sometimes you just got to jump. When you're making decisions, sometimes you've prayed about it long enough. Sometimes you have, you've asked God long enough. Sometimes you have sat there and you have uh, played it all out in your mind long enough. And you just got to make that decision. You have to jump. My wife and I, I'll never forget, as we were um, going through the process there in Moore, Oklahoma, uh, at the Hill, and deciding if we were going to take that opportunity to pastor or not, my wife was like, uh, I was like, we just need to pray about it. My wife's like, we've prayed long enough. You'd either do it or not. We've prayed, and we've prayed, and we've prayed. Why are we continuing to pray about something that we feel like God's already given us the answer to? What she was saying to me, we're at this point in our decision-making process, we're just going to have to jump. We just got to make a decision today. And so today, what happens if you do? I mean, all of us in this building, we've, we've made beds that we did not like. We've made beds that we have liked. And, and so how do we live with the decisions that we've made? And, and after we've jumped, after we've made a decision, how do we live with what perhaps, um, how do we live in the bed that we have made? Especially when, <clears throat> when it's not perhaps how we wanted it to be made. And this morning, I believe that uh, there is a way that God wants us to live when things doesn't perhaps turn out as well as we want it to turn out. I mean, the decisions that we perhaps have made, the beds that we have made. There are those, um, and I told you this morning when I took the ball and I bounced it, I said, man, I, I just hope that you become lovers of God's word. And, and when we read God's word, there are so many men and women within God's word that made good decisions. I mean, they made good decisions, and they followed those aspects of, of making decisions, you know, Trusting, leaning, acknowledging, um, simply going back and, and involving the Holy Spirit and, and they involved others and, and they didn't let fear paralyze them and they just made decisions. And there's men and women in these pages that made good decisions. They made, they made absolutely good decisions following that process. How about Joshua? I want you to look at Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. It'll be up on the screen today. And I want you to think about this because this is one of the best decisions that Joshua made. And I believe it's the best decision that you and I today can make as well. And it's a decision that you will have to make. Listen to this. Joshua says, and if, there, if it is evil in, the, in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers 
served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I want you to see the picture here as being painted by Joshua. He makes a decision. He says, listen, I, I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know what decision you're going to make. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I got to tell you, that's the best decision that anyone in this building can make. Fathers, that's the best decision that you can make as a father of your home. As for me and my family, listen, as long as you leave, live underneath my roof, you're going to church. We've told our kids, hey, listen, we've never really had a fight with them. That's been awesome throughout all the years of raising my children. I've never had one time that they did not want to go to church. Now, there's been lots of times that I didn't want to go, but there's not been many times, just joking, many times that my kids did not want to go. And I'm thankful for that. But there was a decision that I made when they were young. Hey, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Abraham had a decision to make as well. And we all will make a decision like this. Right? You ready for this? this is a decision that he made in, in Genesis chapter 13, verses 8 and 9. It says, Abraham said a lot, let there be no strife between me and you and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are kinsmen. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me. And if you take the left hand, I will go to the right. And or if you take the right, I will go to the left. And, and at that moment, Abraham had to make a decision. His herdsmen, his family was growing. Lot's family was growing. There was just not enough space right there for both of them. And he had to make a decision to separate. And everyone in this room, I promise you, you're going to come to a point in your life where you're going to have to make a decision to separate. Maybe from your job. Maybe it is a friendship. Maybe it is something that is hindering you from growing. You're no longer able to grow in your relationship with God, being around this certain area, atmosphere, place. Maybe God's convicting you like, I can't go there anymore. I just don't feel comfortable there. That's not good for my growth. It's not good for me. And then we find ourselves making a decision of separation, just like Abraham with Lot. He's like, hey, listen, you take the left, I'll take the right. You take the right, and I'll take the left. Made a decision. And every one of us will have to make a decision like that. But what if it's the bad one? What if we separate from the wrong people? What if we leave somewhere we wasn't supposed to leave? How do we continue? But Abraham made a good decision. Moses made a good decision. Exodus chapter 18, verses 24 through 25, it says, Moses listened to his father-in-law. <laughs> every one of us is like, I don't listen to my father-in-law, not one thing, not one time. But Moses listened to his father-in-law. Most of you know he was leading a bunch of people. There was lots of people that he was in charge of. And there was so many that was overwhelming to him. And then all of a sudden, his father-in-law had this great plan. He's like, hey, listen, wisdom says that you need to find some men that are capable. And you need to put them over hundreds and thousands and tens and fifties. And so Moses does. He makes a decision to listen to someone else. Involved in his life, his father-in-law, some wise counsel. Any, any men in here says, you know what? There's been times that I've listened to my father-in-law, and I'm so glad that I did. There's sometimes I listen to my father-in-law, and I wish I didn't, all right? Um, and all of us in this room will have to involve others in our decision-making process. How about Ruth? Ruth chapter 1, verses 15 to 16. Listen, I want you to look at all these decisions, and we can go through lots of men and women who have made decisions that turned out good. These are good decisions. Ruth made a decision. In chapter 1, verse 15 and 16, it says, And she said, See, your sister-in-law has gone. This is, this is Naomi speaking to Ruth. He says, Your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said this. Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. 
And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God will be my God. And I think that there is going to be a moment in all of our lives today that we get so determined, and we get so dedicated, and we get so fired up for God that we said, listen, we are making a decision to go where he goes. His people will be my people. I am going to do exactly what God wants me to do. And no one's going to turn me away from it. I've made a decision. I've set my mind, just like Ruth, and I'm going to go forth with it. How about Peter? And we'll end with this. Lots of, lots of men and women that made good decisions. Meaning that when they made their bed, it was nice to lay in it. It was great. The consequences was amazing. Can you imagine the consequences of you making a decision for your family to serve the Lord? Can you imagine that? I can. Because I'm living in that. I'm lying in that bed. Making that decision for me and my, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. I have some great children. I have a wonderful wife. She's the best, if you didn't know that. But I'm thankful today because I made that decision, and I'm living with those consequences today, the good ones. And all of us want to live with good consequences. Peter says this. He finds himself in chapter 4 of Matthew 19 and 20. Jesus shows up, and Jesus asks him a question, and he had a decision to make. He said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately, immediately, he left his nets in his boat to follow. Best decision personally that he made. See, Joshua made a decision for his whole household. But here, Peter made a personal decision. He said, listen, my wife may not go to church, but I'm going. My children may rebel as much as they want to. They may, they may hate coming to church, but for me, I'm going to enjoy coming to church. I am going to be a fisher of men. I'm going to follow you wherever you go. And I promise you, looking at Peter's life, it was the best decision that Peter could ever make. And today in this room, the decisions that you make today are very important. And that is one great decision that all of us can, can make. And here's two things that we must keep in mind when we're laying with good decisions. Uh, when we're lying, lying in the bed of a good decision, there's two things you need to keep in mind. One is this. You need to remind yourself that I must stay reliant on God's strength and power. That, I mean, so you know what happens when we make good decisions? We're like, yeah, that's right. I did it. And we forgot that, whoa, what happened to trusting in the Lord, leaning on him, and acknowledging him? All of a sudden, you think that you're the one that made those good decisions, that you had that capability? Listen, can I just be honest with all of you today? There is no good in any of you. Absolutely no good. You don't have the ability to make good decisions. None of us. You watch your children. Some of you have little kids and you walk around saying no more than you say anything else. No, 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 no. Stop. What are you doing? <laughs> no, no. You're always walking around saying no. You say no so often that their first word is no. Yeah, they look back at you and they're like, no. You're like, hold up. Who are you? Don't you tell me no. Um, but... You tell them no. You, you know the reason why that you tell them and you watch over them, make sure they don't touch anything hot, they don't go to the stove, they don't get to the fire, because they don't know any better. They don't have any good. You know why you tell them, hey, listen, when you go to your pre-K class, please do not hit, do not bite, do not, do not throw anything, because you're looking at your children right now. <laughs> because there's no good. Thanks to Adam and Eve. Because we've all been created to be good, kind, and loving. But in that moment that we are birthed out of our mothers because of sin, we are corrupt. And there's no good. 
And listen, I got to tell you today, so I got to be reliant upon God's power and strength because he's the one that, that helped me make those good decisions. He's brought me the success that I needed. And I got to remind myself that I must stay within God's provision and within his protection. But also in these pages of men and women who've made good decisions, there were men and women that did not make good decisions. They made some poor ones. They did exactly what my father said. Hey, you made your bed, now you have to lie in it. And the consequences were severe. And the consequences didn't go away just because they repented of their sin. So how do we live? Can I just, let's just get right down to it this morning. How do you and I live today in the bed that we made that we hate so much? The decision, the consequences are so severe. We hate it. We wish that it would go away. I thought that when I asked God to come into my life that everything was going to be perfect and it would wipe away everything. And I would start completely new. I wish that it was like that, but it's not like that. Oh, in the eyes of God, is as though you've never done those things. But in the world that we live in today, it doesn't work that way. We still have to live through the consequences of the decisions that we have made, good or, or bad. Here's a question. Is it possible to survive in a bed that you wish you didn't make? I mean, is it possible to continue to live your life with the severe consequences that you are having to live with? Is it possible? Is it possible to recover from a bad decision? Think about this this morning. Is it possible to recover from a bad decision? I made a horrible decision, Pastor. Can I recover from it? Is it possible to live and to thrive as you continue to be forced to lie in the bed that you made? I mean, can we actually live a victorious life even though... We're lying in the bed that we wish that we wouldn't have made. I hope that I can answer those questions through this message today. There are plenty of examples of men and women who made bad decisions, and somehow they survived. Somehow they were successful, and somehow they made it. And so I would love to take you to Adam and Eve and tell you their story, but I'm, I don't have time for that. I'm going to take you to, to David, to King David. And I want you, as you have already got there, Second Samuel, we're going to be very quick with this today. But listen, a bad decision doesn't mean that life is over. It perhaps means that life may be a little bit more difficult. So please understand that great nugget, that a bad decision doesn't mean that life is over. It perhaps means that life will be a little bit more difficult living, with the, living in the bed that you made. But you can rise above it, and I believe this with all my heart, you can rise above it with God's help. We can look at Adam and Eve this morning, but we're not going to, but we're going to look at King David. And King David had reached the pinnacle of success. Everyone who's ever read David's story know that he, has, he reached the pinnacle of success. He was reigning as king over united Israel from his palace in Jerusalem, and God was giving him victory over all the nation that was around him. And this man, after God's own heart, appeared invincible. I mean, nothing in this text has prepared us for what's about to happen in a minute. In what would be classified as a bad decision, this godly man chose lust and adultery over holiness. And instead of repenting, David's sin begets more bad decision. And as he attempts one of the most famous cover-ups of all time, our response to bad decisions should be one of humility as we remember that David was nearer to the Lord than any of us in this room. He was a man after God's own heart. And he still fell. This loyal, royal, royal sinner would now need the mercy of God like never before. And the truth this morning 
is that you and I need God's mercy in the midst of our bad decisions as well if we plan on making it in this life. So in King David, as we just set the story up, I want you to look at 2 Samuel chapter 11. He is king, and I want you to look at what happens in this bad decision that all of a sudden it begins to snowball, and the effects just made a bed that he could not lie in. Look at this. Verse 1, chapter 11, verse 1. It says this, in the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, you can perhaps underline that. I think this is a decision that he makes and that perhaps is a poor decision. There's a, there's a lot of decisions that are being made for David here. And I want you to think about these, that perhaps he doesn't just make one bad decision. He makes multiple bad decisions in the story alone. In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him and all of Israel, and they um, ravaged uh, the Ammonites and besieged Reba. Uh, but David remained in Jerusalem. It happened late one afternoon when David arose from his couch and he was walking on the roof of, his king's, of the king's house that he saw from the roof a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful. Look at verse 2 again and I want you to underline this. It happened one late, late one afternoon when David arose. You can underline that. It's another decision that he's making today. Arose from his couch and he was walking on the roof of the king's house that he saw from the roof a woman bathing and the woman was very beautiful and David sent and inquired about the woman and one said is not this Bathsheba the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite so David sent messengers and took her and and she came to him and he lay with her now she had been purifying herself from her uncleanness then she returned to her house and the woman conceived, and she sent and told David, I am pregnant. So David sent word to Joab, and send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. And when Uriah came to him, David asked how Joab was doing, how the people were doing, and how the war was going. And David said to Uriah, go down to your house, wash your feet. And Uriah went out to the king's house, and there followed him a present from the king. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all of the servants of his lord and did not go down to his house. And when, David, and when they told David, Uriah did not go down to his house, David said to Uriah, have you not come from a journey? Why did you not go down to your house and be with your wife? And Uriah said to David, the ark of Israel, mm, listen to this loyalty this man has. The ark of Israel and Judah dwell in booths. And my Lord Joab and the servants of my Lord are camping in the open field. Shall I then go to my house and eat and drink and lie with my wife? As you live and as your soul lives, I will not do this thing. I don't know about you, but a loyalty like that. David should be there going, oh my goodness, he has so much loyalty and I just disrespected this man. Hmm. 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 14 and 15 says this. In the morning, we're going to try to give you the whole gist of the story real quickly. In the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. He takes his own death certificate. And he says, in this letter he wrote, set, set Uriah in the forefront of the hardest fighting area and then draw back from him that he may be struck down and die. Hmm. What another decision. 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 26 to 27. And when the wife of Uriah, Uriah, Heard that Uriah, her husband, was dead, she lamented over her husband. And when she was mourning was over, 
David sent and brought her to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. Now here we go, making a bed that he had a lie in. Second Samuel chapter 12, verse 11 through 14, it says, Thus the Lord said, Behold, I will rise up evil against you out of your own house, and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor. And, and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of the sun. For you did it secretly, but I will do this thing, be, thing before all Israel and before the sun. David said to Nathanael, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathanael said to the Lord, said to David, The Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die, neither the less. Think about this. Oh, you're going to survive. Is it possible to survive a bad decision? Absolutely. Life just may be a little bit more difficult. And then all of a sudden, Nathaniel says to David, Nevertheless, because by this decision or deed you have utterly scorned the Lord, the child who is born to you shall die. What a sad story. What a sad story of one decision making another bad decision, making another bad decision, and the snowball becomes so huge that it's uncontrollable. I think everyone in this room has made one decision that led to another, one bad decision that led, it, led to another bad decision that led to another bad decision. Let's just make it practical for you. Some of you have bought a car. It was a horrible decision. I mean, you bought a lemon. It was bad. And all of a sudden, you were so, so much in debt that the only thing that you could do, you thought, was to Buy, you know, take that car and trade it in. But you were so upside down that the second car that you bought, now you're paying double for it because of the car. You get it. One bad decision, making another bad decision. And now you have to live with paying the more, not the mortgage, but the, the payment on a car that's double than what it should have been. And we all make decisions, bad decisions, that if we're not careful, we'll just make another bad decision to perhaps live with the consequences of the first decision. And David, in this story, makes one bad decision, and that first decision was not to go out with all the kings. He, wasn't, he didn't go out to battle. David didn't go out to battle. I have no answer for that. I don't know, and I wonder if this was already like a, a, pre, uh, already a pre-decision that was already made. He thought, okay, I know all the kings are going to go. We're going to go out to battle, but I'm going to stay because, hmm, Bathsheba. I don't think it was. I don't think it was. I just think he just made a decision to stay home. Just not going to go. Now, I don't know. I, I do not know exactly why he stayed and did not go to war. I just know he made a decision. When all the kings were supposed to go to war, he did not go. And he stayed home. But then there's in the story, there's another decision they made. You ready for this? He made a decision to get off his couch and to get up on the roof. At the time that would normally be bathing time. Traditionally, they would bathe in the evening, women, and they would bathe out in the open, the courtyard. And so David knew he's not a dummy, and he went to the roof. I would say to you, there are some rooftops in your life that you need to get off of. I'm just saying, there's some rooftops that you have thought about going to, <laughs> you have inquired about stepping outside your, your room onto the roof. And I say, listen, don't, don't peek outside your window. It's not a good decision. And David makes a decision not only to stay home, but now to go from his bedroom to the rooftop and take a good look. 
And that look led him into making another decision of inquiring of the woman and then sleeping with the woman. And then it just keeps going downhill, right? He's like, oh no, she's pregnant. <laughs> I just made my bed and I have to lie with it. I got consequences. This child is going to be here. And everybody knows it's not going to be Uriah's kid because of the timing aspect. I got to do something. And he makes that decision. And I've already read the story, so let's not repeat it. But my goodness, look at the decisions that can continuing. Here's point number one this morning. I feel like I'm foaming at the mouth. And that's a bad thing, because you guys be like, he has rabies. Let's get out of here. Here's point number one. Don't complicate a bad decision with another bad decision. Don't complicate a bad decision with another bad decision. I think in the moments that we realize that the decision or the bed that we made was a, is bad and those consequences are overwhelming, I think we stop and we say, okay, let's, let's figure this out. I need to now, something I didn't do at the beginning, I need to stop, take a deep breath and say, I need to inquire of the Holy Spirit about my life. How can I go about this? How can I not make another bad decision? How can I now make a good decision to live for the Lord even though I'm dealing with these consequences today? I think that when we look at David's life, I think that he does a really good job of repenting. He repents before the Lord of his bad decision and he moves forward. And you know, most of you know the story, he tries his very best to beg God not to take his child. He tries his very best. He doesn't eat, he prays, he seeks the Lord, and, but the consequences still was that his child would be dead, would die. And David had to get up, and you notice in the story, and we didn't read it today, but David gets up, he eats, and he goes on with life. Because that's the best thing that you, can, I, and you and I can do today, is not to make another bad decision to complicate everything, is to say, God, I am so sorry that I made this decision. And God, I need, you to, I need your help. I need the Holy Spirit's help to make good decisions from this point forward. I just got to get up and I got to live life with the consequences. You know what's crazy? Is even though that God has forgiven us, people in this world doesn't forgive us. <laughs> I'll tell you one little quick story. And it's so cool. I love I love pastoring here because all of these most of us grew up together so it's like if I would tell you names like oh I remember him you did that I can't believe you did that so I won't tell you names because um but I remember when I was young and before I before sixth grade I was a hellraiser and I was mean I was the bully it's just the way it was um and I remember before I got saved I was on the bus and there was this little bitty young man who sat on the front cute little guy he actually eventually became a part of my youth ministry in 2012 and the things that I did on the bus and the things that I said to him and the things that I could never take back, I was living for it. I was paying that price. I was dancing to the music because although I was a youth pastor and his mom and dad would come on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights, he would not come to my youth ministry on Wednesday. He wouldn't do it. And the reason why he wouldn't do it is because he remembers all the bad decisions that I made. All the things I said on the bus. And I remember God, God spoke to me. I'll never forget. Like I'm speaking to you today. God spoke to me and said, you need to go tell him that you're not that same person on bus number 12. And so I had to go to him. And it's like, hey, listen, I'm not him. 
I know that I said some things and I did some things. I made some bad decisions as a young man and I am so sorry, but I'm not him. And in that moment, he forgave me. In that moment, even though I'm live, I was living with the consequences of those bad decisions because the kid wasn't coming to my youth ministry, he forgave me and we was able to move on. And he became a part of our youth ministry all of his senior year um, until he graduated. And I'm telling you today that you and I, we don't need to complicate a bad decision with another bad decision. We need to pull up our pants and say, I've made a mistake. God, forgive me and move forward. Here's the second thing today is that we need to learn how to accept mercy and not repeat it. God, I, I accept your mercy. God, thank you for giving me a second chance. Thank you for giving me a third chance. God, thank you. I'm repentant. And that means I turn away from my wicked ways and I'm now going a different direction. So those are the decisions that I made then. I'm not going to make those decisions anymore. My life is totally new and I make better decisions because I'm relying on you. I'm trusting you. I'm leaning on you. I'm acknowledging you. I am learning to, to trust the Holy Spirit in my life. I'm, I'm inquiring of him. I'm inquiring of others. I'm not going to let fear stop me from, uh, from making a, a good decision and I'm not I'm not going to jump when I don't need to jump. I will only jump when you tell me to jump. And I'm telling you today, we accept mercy and we do not repeat it. I don't know about you today, but I don't have to make a bad decision to learn from it. Teenagers used to tell me this, it's my life and, and I just have to go to, you know, I just have to go to the, um, uh, oh, I mean, the uh, uh, school of hard knocks to learn. I'm, I've all learned from my mistakes. Well, you know what? You don't have to learn just from your mistakes. You can learn from someone else's mistakes. I, I learned so much from my family that I didn't have to repeat what my family did, the decisions my family made, to learn from them. I knew that if I picked up a, a can of alcohol and drunk it, I would become an alcoholic. It was like, well, how did you know that? I'll tell you how I knew that. I knew that my father was an alcoholic. His father was an alcoholic. His father was an alcoholic. His father. I knew that there was a good chance I would be one too. So I made a decision not to. I, I need you to hear me. I learned from someone else's mistakes. And you too can take a good look and say, you know what? Young men and women in this building today. Young women, I'll speak to the young women that's not married today. Let me speak to you. You don't need a project. Don't look for a man to fix. <laughs> Got an amen from a mother. Don't look for a man to fix. It doesn't work. It rarely, 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 rarely works. So it has worked, but it rarely works. I mean, Janet is still trying to fix Lance. I'm just telling you right now. <laughs> and we're helping her. We're like all praying for Janet. Janet, God, we ask that you please. <laughs> well, all of us are trying to give her ideas. That maybe this will work. <laughs> Lock him in the closet, beat him with a chain. Maybe that'll work. Just joking. Can you delete that from the message? You can't, can you? No, it went out and it's there. Listen, we don't have to learn from our mistakes. We can learn from someone else's. Because if we don't learn from our mistakes, we will repeat it. We'll repeat them over and over and over again. So God, I accept your mercy. I, I love Peter because Peter had a hard time accepting mercy. Most of you know that Peter, if you don't know, Peter denied Jesus three times. 
And then only in one book, and I'm sorry I cannot remember which book it is, but there's only one book that actually gives us a, paints us a picture where Jesus sees Peter. When Peter denies him for the third time, the rooster crows, all of a sudden, Peter catches the eye of Jesus. And their eyes meet. I don't know if you've ever had your dad look at you like when you made a bad decision and your dad and you're like, uh-oh, he knows. <laughs> dad knows. You know, you just get this glance. And Peter recognized that Jesus knew that he had denied him three times, just like he told him he would. And it's that moment that you got caught in your bad decision that you're like, oh, I don't know if I could ever forgive me. And Peter had to, Peter had to forgive himself, accept the mercy that God was giving him and not repeat it again. So today I tell you, accept mercy. It's okay. You made a bad decision, but you can, it's, you're, it's not over. You made a bad decision, but it's not over. Here's, here's the third one. Mercy does not exempt you from having, mercy does not exempt you from having to lie in the bed that you made. Consequences are going to come with your decisions. It's just the way it is. David repents of his sin. Wishes he did not make those, that decision to stay home that day. Wishes that he did not go to the rooftop. Wishes that he did not inquire of who that woman was. Wishes that he did not have her come to his room. Wishes he wished that he would made a better decision. Because his consequence was that his son would die. Everyone, and he had to live with that every day. Listen today. Some of you today are still dragging around a consequence that you made when you were 16 years old. You are. You're like, it's still my kid. No, I'm, not, I'm not talking about a kid. I was just, it hit me right there. like, I'm still carrying my 16-year-old kid around. That's not what I meant. A decision that you made that was a bad decision, whatever it may be, you're still living with it. And for some of you, you don't have victory over it, so it's really got your life messed up. But some of you, you do have victory over it. You have repented. And although you're living with the consequences, you're still victorious. And you're still thriving. And it doesn't, listen, just because you've asked God to forgive you, you need to hear this this morning, just because you ask God to forgive you doesn't mean that there won't be consequences. Obviously in this room, we realize that there will be. Here's the last one today. Life is not over. Pastor Kelly, would you come? Life is not over. I want to speak to you today to those who've made a bad decision because I think everyone in this room has made a bad decision. We've made a bad decision perhaps just in practical bad decisions in life and buying a wrong car, buying the wrong house, buying whatever. Maybe it's getting in relationships. But some of us today have made bad decisions that's affected you spiritually. You've made a bad decision. And some of you, you think life is over. Some of you today, God, you, you say this to yourself, but I'm, that decision was so huge. God will never use me again. Some of you question your ability to ever get behind a pulpit or perhaps even to do what God's called you to do because of the decision that you made that you think is so horrendous, so horrible, so bad. I want you to think about David for a moment. David stayed home. David went to the rooftop. David inquired of a woman. David slept with that woman. David had a child. David sends out for Uriah, brings him home, tries to trick him to go sleep with his wife so he can cover it all up. 
doesn't work because he's so loyal to David who wasn't loyal to him. And then he sends him back to the battle to die. He, he had it all planned. I got it figured out. Please put him in the heat of the battle and then just pull away. Leave him there. Leave, leave him there to fight on his own. And he dies. David still was king. David still reigned. David repented and he moved on. And David's life wasn't over. Just like you today, as I'm looking across the room, your life is not over. I am so thankful that every morning, God's mercy is renewed. Every day, there's new mercy for me. Every day, God says, I have a second chance for you, son. Because I know I'm walking around going, no, 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 no. so much for tuning in if you enjoyed this podcast and would like to hear more messages or find a service time you can visit us at our website homechurchtecumsa.com for more information thank you again and until next time love god do good and be a friend be blessed